Sometimes I feel like my only friend is the city I live in, the city of angels. Lonely as I am, together we fly. I drive on the street cause she's my companion. I walk through the hills cause she knows who I am. She sees my good deeds and Something I'll never worry. <laughs> you forgot the lyrics. You I'll never worry now that is a lie. I, I don't ever wanna feel like I did that day. Take me to the place I love. Take me all the way. <laughs> I don't ever want to feel. I'm so lost. <laughs> that was good for a while. Not quite my tempo. <laughs> no, not quite my tempo. <laughs> I will fuck you like a pig. <laughs> Why do you suppose I just threw a chair at your head, Neiman? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Were you rushing or were you dragging? <laughs> Get over here. Let's do a podcast, shall we? Yeah. And away we go. What the fuck was that? <laughs> what the? That was feedback. What and the? This is movie. Hopping. I'm not gonna touch anything. Put him back on. Are you sure? Just don't put it by the mic. There it is. <laughs> Jesus. Ah. I can't put them on. They're going to kill me. <laughs> what if it's over here? I think that's how Spider-Man killed Venom in the original. Uh... <laughs> well, that's one of Venom's weaknesses. Yeah. Yeah, did you know that? But you're, you're not a fan of Venom? Nico? Man, that was a pathetic attempt at uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, wasn't it? I think I was fine. I Flea would not be happy with that rendition. Flea didn't play the piano. And he didn't sing. He played the fucking bass. I know, man. It's the only member of Flea I could name. Or the only <laughs> member of, of the Red Hot Chili Peppers I could name. Not, is oddly their bass player. Not not Anthony Kiedis? I, no, no. No, okay, okay. no man. Right. I like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. But you just don't I care. like that song, but uh, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> I like it a lot less now, as a matter of fact. <laughs> we'll get there. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're trying to get the band um, together. Nico and I are going to be bigger than Bradley Cooper and uh, Lady Gaga. Listen, we're just trying to find our voice. You know? <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. We're just find, trying to find just out trying who we are. You know, voice. we're just sort of experimenting and jamming and experimenting. In it, quotes. it turns out we're not the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So cross that off the list. We're not trying to be the Red Hot Chili Peppers. We're trying to be Nico and Adam. Ugh. How about the, uh, the cold mm. as ice? Cold tacos. As- how That's about what we are. I like I, I do like just singular names of bands. How about um um fucking let me think about plate plate ooh plate plate mm. it's not bad plate's not bad plate plate's got attitude it's so ambiguous <laughs> it is <laughs> you could put anything on it we're yeah, just an empty could. plate man okay put anything on we it. are plate. <laughs> Actually, what's his name in, in Phantom Thread? Oh, Reynolds Woodcock? We could be Reynolds Woodcock. How about like Reynolds Woodcock and the uh, and the retirement community? <laughs> <laughs> you need like a good like 
backup band, you know? Hmm. Or how about just Reynolds and the Woodcocks? The Foreskins. Ooh. The Foreskins, as in, you know. Skinheads? Yes. As in racist? <laughs> yes, Nico. I don't want to go by... Uh, Nico, you got you to gotta tap into your heads. true calling. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to protect the white man! Fuck, I was drinking something, you <laughs> asshole. <laughs> We're fucking around. It's uh, it's recording session number two here on a yes. Monday afternoon. It's it, movie happening. It's fucking hot in here. Yeah, what it's did it's you, hot are as you balls, to, man. Jesus Christ. I'm trying to gas you out, but you haven't been taking oh, the memo. God damn it. I'm, I, am, I'm, I think I'm actually sweating here. I'm not... I'm, Oh my god, those are some wet nipples you got right there. I have, well, I always have wet nipples. <laughs> <laughs> Your nipples have tear ducts. That's right. Yep. Yes. And they cry to be freed. I'm lactating. Oh, well, that's. Yeah, we don't mean to talk about that, though. You know, it's weird, Adam. Yes. It's, it had I, like, if I were to walk into any, like, friend of mine's house and find them. Like, where are you going with this? <laughs> with two little kittens suckling on their teat? I feel like you'd be the least surprising. <laughs> I'm not saying you enjoy feeding cats with your breast milk. But if I had to guess one, it might be you. <laughs> Is it fair? Is it a fair criticism? Can you just give me that? Hmm. It's a fair observation. Yes. Okay. Good. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Let's, I was just—I just wanted to let that sit for you, you fellow listeners who love our bullshit so much. Let it sit. They don't, by the way. <laughs> they don't love it, but we do. That's all that matters. Yes. Well, we're talking about a movie no one has seen anyway, so I'm—I'm I'm sure we'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the real G's have seen it, and the real movie nerds out there, oh, yeah. who enjoy some Jeremy Sonier. And enjoy some Macon Blair mm. and enjoy that whole universe of a filmmaker. It's namely us. It's mainly just us yes. have probably watched this thing about two or three times by now. <laughs> so I have seen it once. Don't worry. Nick. Okay. Just I've only, I've only seen it once as well. Okay. The movie's called hold the dark mm. and it's a Netflix original. And I guess this is what Netflix is doing now is they're just giving money to people that studios don't want to give money to essentially. Right. Oh, uh, <laughs> it's one of those movies where Almost immediately, I'm just like, yeah, no, I, I, I get why this is a Netflix film. <laughs> yeah, like if I was a like film executive and someone came in, yeah, we're going to make a movie about wolves, but it's not really about wolves. And uh, it's sort of about like the fact that we're all wolves um, and, and, uh, and, and that's about it. It has a really ambiguous ending and a dead kid. Are you in? Netflix, Netflix, okay. Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's what it is, man. So, uh, listen, I'm into this, like, business model. Yeah, sure. I'm down. Sure. I'm down for whatever Netflix wants to put on my queue. I mean... (sighs) I'm not really sure what the hell this movie is, though. (laughs) I really don't, man. Uh, Yeah, me neither. (laughs) This movie's out there. Yeah, and I've thought about it a lot, and I'm still not quite sure what's going on. Yeah. Uh, it's made, as we mentioned, by Jeremy Sonier. who's a favorite of mine. A new, newcome favorite of mine. I guess so. He's made three movies previous. Uh, yep. First one's called Murder Party. Mm-hmm. Haven't seen it. I have. Neither is Most of America. Yep. Second is Blue Ruin. Mm-hmm. A fucking great movie. Yep. Like a movie that I adore. Me too. It, it's got like Coen Brothers vibes. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's dark. 
it's sort of an inversion of the revenge movie trope. Yep. It's great. It's fantastic. Love that movie. It's uh, one of my favorite of that year. Quietly brilliant film, as we like to say. So quiet. Green Room, his third. Mm -hmm. That's a movie you love. That's my favorite of his. It's an an Adam movie. It is. No, this this is like the Adam film. This, This transcends just being an Adam film. This is like exactly the kind of film that I would make. <laughs> Dark, violent, little quirky. Very quirky. <laughs> kind of funny, but not like in your face funny. Mm-hmm. Funny in a very dark and cynical way. Yes. Totally. Flabbergasted that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, about heavy metal music. I don't know if you like love heavy metal music. Oh, punk music. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not a, a metalhead or anything. No, but, but you're I, a punk. Sure. You know, even if you're not a punk musician. No, I'm not. It, it, it's it's perfect movie for you. I mm-hmm. quite like it. I don't love it as much as you, but I quite like it. So I was pumped for this movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I know you were too. Oh, yeah. And so I, I, I nestled in on a Friday evening by myself. Mm-hmm. I said, all right, Netflix, let's give this one a shot. Let's, uh, let's enjoy some Hold the Dark. Yeah. By the end of it, I was contemplating suicide. <laughs> I wasn't quite going there. So mission but, accomplished, uh, Jeremy Sonier. I wasn't even contemplating suicide. I, I wasn't going there. But, I mean, you were at least like considering jumping into a bathtub right, and you know, just holding your breath underwater for a little bit, just like like teasing the idea of death, but not like 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 Joaquin Phoenix and and you were never really here, kind of like that. Right, right, sort of like that's what the they turned me into Joaquin Phoenix, just sort of dropping a knife over your head and just like yeah, you know, maybe it goes through my eyeball and splits open my brain, and maybe it doesn't. Uh, yeah, I guess the only thing keeping me back was the how just this is the most bizarre movie I've seen in quite a while. It's really fucking weird, man. And weird in ways that I haven't quite felt before. Yeah. With how serious it is, how how little levity there is in this There's no levity. (laughs) Yeah. There's no moment to just have a laugh. And it's weird because this dude loves comedy. We know this. I, I haven't seen Murder Party, but that's a full-on farce, right? Like, that's yeah. a oh my satire. God. Oh, yeah. Very, very, very dark satire. Yeah, but, but it is, It is like, at times, from my understanding... It's a horror comedy. It just is. Yeah, it is. like, it's, it's really transgressive, mm-hmm. darkly funny shit. Mm-hmm. Blue Ruin. Dark subject matter... There's some laughs in that movie. Yeah. There's some good laughs. No, they're few and far between, but no. they're there. But it's like Blood Simple. Yes. It's, it's, it, it, when I saw that movie, it, the first thing it reminded me of was Blood Simple. They've, like, well, they've even said that they take a lot of inspiration from the Coen brothers. But hey, right. go redhead. Yeah. So, And of course, Green Room, same thing. This one is cold as ice, man. This is what the coldest film I've seen in a long time, certainly this year. Yeah. My God, this movie is harsh right i texted you midway through i'm like yeah this is colder than santa's testicles well i i because i texted you and i'm just like yeah critics are saying it's very bleak and really really cold and then you texted me halfway because i was i was going up to maine at that point and then you texted me while we're at like a cumbies gas station i'm just like oh nico texted me this movie is colder than santa's nutsack yeah (laughs) great and i felt it Mm -hmm. i felt it this movie kind of fucked with me for about a day this is, this is one of those movies where you leave and you just feel crazy. <laughs> right. Yeah, you feel like, I don't know what this movie did to me. I don't know if it, if like, I, I understand it, but I, I do know that it moved me in some yes. way. Yes. Oh, yeah, exactly. And that's the problem. Well, I don't know if that's a problem. I don't know. Right, well, I, yeah, I shouldn't, I shouldn't call it a problem, but that is the dilemma that we're presented with here. Because let me say this. Yeah. 
kind of like this movie. I do too. Kind of like this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know how I should feel about it. I felt like an experimenting like sorority girl. It's it's like, ooh, I kind of liked that. I don't know if I should go back, but sorry to all you sorority girls, but you're essentially holding the dark. You're yeah. Jeremy Sonier's holding yeah. the dark. <laughs> like I'm glad I experimented, man. <laughs> Maybe I like the the vajayche. You've never fooled around with a sorority girl, Nico. Okay. <laughs> See, I have. I have indeed never scissored. <laughs> I have indeed never scissored. <laughs> so I can't. <laughs> Like, I don't know if I enjoy trimming or not, but, uh, oh, you know, <laughs> I hear it's strangely I erotic. <laughs> I, I wasn't going there. but <laughs> No, I'm just, no, seriously, I walked out of this movie thinking, yeah, I think I enjoyed myself. I don't know why. And I still don't quite know why. Uh, this is... Uh, but there's something about the atmosphere here that is so like oh, no, they're, they're, immersive. This is it's weird. This is one of those movies I I kind of compare it to uh, Barton Fink. Oh, uh, interesting. The thing about Barton Fink is that like I have my own interpretations of the film, but I don't be- believe I know everything about it. It's a film that left me was like I don't know exactly what was going on in some parts. I have some interpretations of this and this and that, but not the whole picture. But I'm fine with that. And I, because I totally trust the filmmakers know what's going on. So I don't need to understand it because I'm not as smart as them, but I'm sure smart people somewhere get it. Yes. Okay. And I was fine with that. Similar, similarly here. Oh, interesting. Yes. Yeah. The Coens kind of do that a lot Mm -hmm. because the Coens will throw in like weird visual motifs Mm -hmm. that, okay, maybe stand for this, but don't quite stand for that. Yes. And it's like, all right, I know this is meaningful. I just don't know the meaning. I guess that is true of this. Um, the uh, this whole thing with the wolves. I mean, I, it's going to be hard to have this conversation without talking about the wolves. It's about wolves. No, but it's it's <laughs> no, it's almost too easy just to say, "Oh, the people are wolves all along." That's the problem. Seem like there's more going on here than that. It's well, I I mean, there's constant. It's not even really just wolves. It's more about like I, I suppose animalistic tendencies of men and how we're not really that much different i mean there's lots of illusions allusions rather to that and you see that with basically the opening shot i mean there's the constant motif of just random beasts showing up right and then there's we'll get to this but there's there's a scene where uh wolves are kind of uh you know eating their young which carries over thematically and and literally to what's going on in this movie in a lot of ways right but again, though, it didn't ring that explicit. Like, I no. still felt like I was missing something. Yes, exactly. And it's, also on a plot level, because I wasn't also, like, quite sure what was going on at any given it, moment. It, it, it's, but it's not really even that complicated of a plot, really. No. Because all it really is, they're looking for this person. That's, that's all that happens. Some some people die with with uh, the father figure trying to get revenge, or we think he's trying to get revenge, anyway. Mm-hmm. And it goes places. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It, it's <laughs> serious, to say the least, serious places. Yes. So let's just explain the plot. So this guy Russell Core, who's played by the brilliant Jeffrey Wright, mm. who I just love in a number of things. Uh, I don't think like he's a great leading man, but he's a great character actor that I enjoyed watching over the years. Me too. Um, is like this author and environmentalist? Is that right? Yes, like a survivalist in in the environment and whatnot. And okay, had a run in with some wolves in the past and wrote a book about it. Right is contacted by this woman in Alaska to help her track down their son. Mm-hmm. 
or her son. Um, and uh, we are led to believe in the opening of this film that the son has been taken by wolves. Or at least it is shot in an ambiguous enough way where you're not quite sure if that's actually what happened. But the wife says, go find my boy. He's out there with the wolves. Yeah. And so Jeffrey Wright goes out there and looks for the boy. And I almost thought for a second, okay, this is the movie we're getting now. This is just going to be a man for two hours trying to find this boy and learning something about him along himself along the way. And it's not that at all. Not even close. It's not even close. <laughs> and that's the first thing that threw me off. I wasn't quite sure how to watch this movie mm. until about an hour and a half in. Well, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's because I am I had a, a better grasp that it wasn't just going to be that because of Jeremy Sonier's sort of subversive tendencies. Uh-huh. I mean, that's ever present in literally every, uh, every other one of his films. Right. So you, you get a sense that he's going to try to throw you a bit, but how is he going to do it? I don't know. And... Oh man, this movie. Uh, I, I, I'll say this: I certainly didn't expect it to get as ambitious as it gets. Yeah. Wow. Right. No, I wasn't prepared for this to be a full-on revenge flick, psychological, psychological thriller, thriller crime Re- film. Yeah. You know, with, with shoot 'em up scenes. We're and talk about the shoot 'em up scene. Oh my god. Woo! Oh my god. <laughs> like I, I would, I did not think. In the way, in with the tempo being what it was, and the tone being what it was, and the cinematography being what it was, I was not prepared for that hard right turn. But it had me. That's the thing. It I, had me too. Because it's like, like just so tightly and expertly directed from a guy who's. It's weird because I, because I, I know a lot about Sonia. He's just this weirdo who made amateur films in his backyard, but he knows the language of film surprisingly well. I saw an interview with him, as a matter of fact, this week where he's like, yeah, me and Macon and the rest of my buddies. And by the way, these all of Jeremy Sonier's films carry over the same crew of cinematographers and costume designers and writers. I call these guys have been making movies, I guess, since what? Like they were like kids, like 10. I call it the film science crew. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and he said, yeah, our like tendencies are towards schlock. Like yes. we like schlocky B movies, grindhouse movies, and that's what Murder Party was. But then at a certain point, what we realized was, oh, we can actually like make good movies. We're pretty good at it. Maybe we should try to play it straight. Yeah, what's well, the way they talk about it? They're, they're just like college dudes. They're like, you know, like, but they don't. They, there's nothing like egotistical about it. They're just so down to earth about the fact that, yeah, you know, we like this kind of stuff in movies, and it's fun. And you know, I was a punk rocker, and I had these sort of tendencies these visual tendencies or whatever, and yeah, I just go and do that. Right. But that's what these movies are, and that's where the interesting clash comes in, mm. is guys with very immature, sometimes ex- exploitative tendencies trying to play it straight. And you're like, oh, yeah. but I don't, we're, a- just, we're just having a frozen tundra story in the middle of Alaska between a wolf and a man, mm-hmm. but they can't help themselves almost. It's like we need to go weirder with this. But the, but the strange thing is that you're saying that like they, they have exploitative, exploitative tendencies and they do, but oddly it feels very appropriate for these stories. I don't know what it is. You they, think? They just make it work. It, it, they, oh, they certainly make it work. That's kind of what – this is essentially what I'm talking about. On, right. On paper, it doesn't work. Right. But when you actually see it presented, they just do it right. It's like it, it should not work as well as it as it does, but it just – it they just know it. They get it. Right. There, there's a certain intimacy to like Blue Ruin that is – and a, as we said before, it's a subversion of the sort of revenge flick. It's, mm-hmm. it's about a guy that 
is regretful and that has some sort of hesitation towards taking revenge. His sister says, yo, you got to get revenge for our family. Yep. Everyone in his life says, you need to do this, and he so desperately doesn't want to. He's just a schlub, though. That's why. Right. Because he just, Yeah, he's just a schlub. He, he's not freaking uh, Liam Neeson. He's yeah. not... <laughs> no, he's not any... He's not John Wick. He's not nope. any of these action stars. He's... He's a he's a gross he's a beer bum. guy. He's making Blair. Right. He's a bum. <laughs> Even making Blair when he was cast in the role, he's just like, why do you want me for this part? Like, right. look at me. Right. <laughs> and Sonya's like, don't worry about it. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. And then we're like, God damn, yeah, that works. Yeah. And then Green Room's the same thing. Hyperviolent is a movie about racism, is a movie about Nazis, and about the It's about the me- evil that is in all men and what we are willing to do in order to save our own skins. I think it's about the uh, uh, surviving in the music industry. Personally, that's my take. Or on that, it. sure, that's, that's my take. It, on the fine, thing. but yeah, and it's similarly like it, it's just it's such a confined real life thing of just people trying to survive. I mean, it's just about people stuck in a room at, at, after a gig. But what it descends into is just a, this gross and grimy and uncomfortable and taut nightmare mm-hmm. holy right. shit these movies know how to build suspense intensity but even in tone that thing walks a very delicate line it never feels off that never feels off no right and that's what we got here it's there is so much shit in here that shouldn't work and it only works by sheer force of their technical ability that's what this is it's oh my god and in that way it's kind of a masterclass and it's yeah. and it's you know way I'm, more thrilling than than just a straight like Revenant type movie. Yes, no. I, I, it's funny you say that because I was thinking about the the, the Revenant in in respect to this because I was like, why does the Revenant not work for me, but this but this one works exceptionally well? And I I don't know. There's a there's a dy- there's a dynamic quality to the way they're juggling all these themes and ideas, and I don't know. It, it's 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 so cold and it's so harsh, but it's so much more flavorful in right. that way than anything in the Revenant. And also, let me say one other thing: the cinematography. Oh my god. Hall. Wow. This movie is Here's the here's the weirdest part. This is one of the best looking films I've seen this year. It looks incredible. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, there's no question. Yeah. Every frame, the way that those animals are shot and and the landscapes, but, the way they shoot the landscapes, the way they hold on just the the starkness of this landscape at right. times. That scene where they're flying to to the cave in the plane. Oh my god. I love the shots of them just trying to, trying to make it there is just fascinating in a weird kind of, I don't know, it's almost like a dreamlike way, but it looks so beautiful. And, and it's of, never quite pretty, though, is it? it no, it is to me. It's, 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 but it's never quite appealing. It's not, not like, like I want to be there. Yeah. No, 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 no. You not know? Like that, yeah. The Revenant sometimes can get that way, though, mm-hmm. because that movie is so in love with its landscapes, and Alejandro Iñárritu clearly loves that whole setting, mm-hmm. but it's like... It's distra- Leo in this movie don't like the setting, so why are you so in love with the setting? Oh, it's so distracting. I say that a lot about The Revenant. The way the film looks is honestly a dis- dis- detracts from the what we should be focused on in the film. Yeah. Whereas like this wisely does not do that at all. It actually uses the landscape much to its advantage. Right. So. Right. Um, let's uh, let's let's get into the plot. So he <laughs> shows. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he shows up at this woman's home yes. and she gives him. This, let's be honest, bullshit monologue. Mm-hmm. And it didn't work for me immediately, and I and I'm sure you feel the same way. It's just well, she's just not all there. I don't know if it it, it didn't work in the way it would traditionally work. It's movie bullshit. 
I guess, yeah. It's like, oh, this woman's a little off and she's being eerie and mysterious. So let's give her a bunch of nonsense dialogue to say in a muted tone. That's what it was. Yeah. She's whispering a lot. It's like, holy shit, something's off here. But it, I think it works better on repeat viewings, though. You think? Especially with where, how she descends into her own madness. Yeah. In the, in the later scenes with the mask, especially. Oh, God. <laughs> I honestly couldn't wait to get out of that part. Like, I, yeah. I, I, oh, I could not wait for the plot to start going. But satisfyingly so. Again, this is what I talk about a lot with like horror movies and whatnot. Just because it's uncomfortable doesn't necessarily mean for a film that it's not satisfying. Right. And for this movie, it every every one of those strange and weird and uncomfortable moments are kind of exactly what I needed for the experience at that point in the story. Yeah, I guess. It's not until we discover that the mother has actually killed her son yes. and... Uh, and left him in the basement mm-hmm. and fled the scene that we realized, holy shit, like this movie is something else. Mm-hmm. And we're about to find out what that is. And it's a weird odyssey that we go on. Yeah. My God. All of a sudden we cut to the Middle East <laughs> where Alexander Skarsgård, yep. who plays the husband, is at war. He's he's just abandoned his wife and left her in Alaska to take care of her kid mm-hmm. uh we we watched this very strange scene where he murders a soldier who is raping a local before that though it's it's weird like because to get a clear sense like because the connection between those two characters are interesting because it it's it sort of revealed to me and why it might be better on repeat viewing is that 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 sort of dourness to how they are is just sort of who they are it's not yeah. something that was ever really you know like 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 created in their experiences of being in Alaska necessarily. Maybe, right. Maybe a little bit, but it just seems like that's just their natural being. And we get that when he's just, just demolishing this truck with a the oh, 50 yeah, caliber yeah, yeah, machine yeah, yeah, gun yeah, 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 yeah. and he kills the people. But then <laughs> the, his, one of his comrades right. walks in front of it. I'm just like, is he going to shoot Exactly. Him? Is he going to shoot I him? felt the exact, Oh my God. I'm so glad you noticed the exact same thing. Yes. They're on a dirt road and they're fighting a bunch of terrorists, and he's on top with the machine gun, on top of the tank, and all of a sudden, yeah, the guy walks in to, get to his field division, taking a selfie Ugh. with the dead dude that's just been burned alive, <laughs> and all of a sudden, yes, you get that sense, just- without even meeting this guy, you don't even know who he is, mm-hmm. you think, wait a minute, he might shoot his buddy right here, mm-hmm. and I don't know why he's going to do it, but I'm getting that sense he's going to do it, mm-hmm. and he doesn't do it, but you still get the sense... This dude's a wolf. This dude's a predator. And this, and and it's a very good bit of foreshadowing for what we're about to see. Oh my god. Ooh. That that scene where where he walks into the dude is just cuz again, this this is another tribute to to Sonya and that whole crew is that they know how to show brutal violence right because generally speaking i mean you see a lot of movies where the violence is sort of toned back and it's you know and it can be uncomfortable but all of sonia's films really go for for the amount of violence that is there like stuff that can sometimes rival some standard tarantino or early tarantino well certainly more real than tarantino oh my god yeah but it but it's like but it's explosive and it's vibrant and it's so so uncomfortable and there's a lot of it but at the same time it doesn't it's i don't know is it i guess i could call it I don't know if I want to call it gratuitous because it feels like it needed to happen that way. Well, it's not revelatory. Yes. I think is the key, mm-hmm. which Tarantino does. Yes. For its, no. And that's for its own reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but like when he's just stabbing not, in the rib cage, I'm just like, 
oh, stop. You're not celebrating that. I'm just like, Jesus. There's also a lot of, in, in these movies, it's, I guess, a trope. Mm-hmm. When a guy gets shot in the head. Yeah. Is you tend to see, like, the flaps of skin oh, yeah. open up. And you see where the bullet went through. Like, mm-hmm. that happens during the shootout scene a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and it, you know, it's it's not just some sort of... Like uh, well, like kill shot that you can just ignore. It's yeah. like no, you're gonna see not only that this dude is dead, but what happens to his body after afterwards. He's dead. Yeah, the, the the consequences of violence in this film. Right, that's the thing. You don't. You that's don't, the key. They yeah. have consequences. Oh my god, do they have consequences? You don't. You don't just see him. The uh, Alexander Skarsgård character immediately gets shot in the neck afterwards. You see the blood spurting out, and they don't just like keep that for like two seconds. No, they hold on the blood kind of spurting as he sort of almost looks like he's accepting the fact that he's going to die. Right. And it is horrifying. And even more horrifying later on when the serious violence starts to happen. And just as you were saying, I mean, most movies that have headshots, you know, we see the person get shot and they fall down and whatever. But nope, this movie, oh, he gets shot in the head. Oh, and he's missing the other side of his face. Yeah, exactly. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I I can see his teeth. Yes. I can. Through his cheek. His jaw is disconnected from the top of his head. Great. Right. No, exactly. And that's that's why I never find this sort of violence, as you said, gratuitous. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, I don't want to say gratuitous. Yeah, it's yeah. it's one of the things that I love about Tarantino. He said this for years. Mm-hmm. In in his opinion, it is way more disrespectful and it is way more offensive, quote unquote, to have PG thirteen violence in your film. Yes. And to just sort of show anonymous faceless people get mowed down by the thousands but as long as there's no blood and as long as there's no carnage it's safe for kids that ain't that should not be the philosophy of a filmmaker nope. like when there's violence in a movie you should have to deal with the fact and contend with the fact that there's violence in a movie Ugh. right yeah i know and th- th- that that is the only way to appropriately treat violence and it's the only way to like combat violence mm-hmm. right is to show people truly in their face what it looks like and he i think sonier has gotten even better at it though he does it brilliantly in blue ruin but it's kind of it's smaller and then he goes even a step further with green room with upping the ante a bit more and it's far more brutal but oh it's body horror in, in oh blue room. god in, uh, in green room. oh my it's who with the dogs jesus yes Je- and that and, and then the, the 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 machete with the with the arm and it's just kind of dangling right it's oh it's so horrible but then he this is like uh today i guess his magnum opus with how he portrays violence because whoa does this movie presented in a way that is just just uh it's just nauseating to watch so for some inexplicable reason alexander skarsgård returns home mm-hmm. to find that his boy is dead has been murdered yeah has been murdered by someone who we assume is the wife assume is the way i yeah. guess we don't know that though do we we never quite find out i think we know it's the way yeah i, I guess they, but they keep it ambiguous kind sort of, of for an interesting reason I, I, and i'm not sure why um and he's now on a quest of revenge against this town maybe on a quest of revenge oh why do you say maybe because yeah, that's not quite what happens what okay it's almost on a weird sense of fulfillment it's very strange all right what happens no yeah so so when he gets home though it's i mean i mean he's it's it's very very weird it's he wants to find his wife but he he wants to get rid of anybody who kind of gets in the way of him reaching his wife at the same time he i mean because we kind of see him go on a killing spree right and i'm we, not but i'm not sure if it's for revenge especially for what happens when he does find his wife well or at least he doesn't well we don't 
Right. We don't know why he's trying to find his wife is the key. I mean, we assume it's because he wants closure for what what happened to his son. But clearly that's not what that's about. No, it's it's like if if it's a revenge in his head, he doesn't realize that it's actually something else. Oh, maybe. Which is what it kind of leads with what ends up happening. It's certainly what it what leads me to believe it anyway. Right. So, yeah, I'm not convinced it's revenge on the whole. Maybe at first it, he he thinks it is. But when he finally sees his wife, it's something else entirely. But then we have this other buddy of his. Now, that's a little different. <laughs> right. And, and the, the Indian. And yes, the uh, the Indian is the one that gets into the big shootout in the middle of this movie. Um <laughs> Which, again, is just incredible. We need to talk about that shootout scene. Yeah, let's talk about it right now. My God. We're... So the cop, play, played by uh, James Badgedale, who I, I quite like in a lot of things. This guy has been Me. in a lot of like TV shows. Me too. I like him a lot. Um, Very good in the Pacific. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, good in 24. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Good. He's in everything. Yeah. Uh, the, the Departed, he's in too. Yeah, that's right. He is in The Departed. Eh. Yeah. Uh, he plays the local cop who is incompetent just because that's what local cops are in these types of yeah, towns. Incompetent, but, you know, again, seriously trying to do the good thing. He doesn't seem like a fool. No, just in over his head, maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's the word. He uh, interrogates this guy because this is Alexander Skarsgård's friend uh, who, like, they they killed the cops together mm-hmm. after they found out that they were investigating the disappearance this of scene. the wife. Like seriously freaked me out. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> I had no idea what this guy was gonna do. Right, it was brutal. I mean, I had a sense that he was gonna try to do some sort of because uh, I knew what he was doing before. Like, like when he bolts that thing to the ground, I was like, I know what I know exactly what that is. Right. Um, oh no! But I was like, when is he gonna use it? <laughs> so they <laughs> couldn't quite figure it out. Right. They go to his wife and they're like, or they go to uh, this guy and they're like, where's Alexander Skarsgård? Where'd he go? We're looking for him. No idea. There was a body, bunch of bodies that turned up last night. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, uh, I'd love to help you guys. But when my fucking kid got killed by the wolves, you guys did nothing about it. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's the fact that they are there and they're they're trying to find Alexander Skarsgård just kind of sets him over the edge. You know, it's right. Like the, the, just the, on principle, the fact that they're doing it for his character and not the fact that they're doing it for, for Skarsgård's character and not his character is basically him like okay i'm done right done with you fucking people right um so that's that's the revenge part for him i guess this is just a pure revenge scene all of a sudden they're leaving there's a big barn behind them and jeffrey wright sees that those shutters open and you just know what's this is the scariest fucking thing in movies is when you see something before the character sees it and you know what's about to happen and they're powerless to stop it and so you have just the second and a half watching this guy with a machine gun it's an m60 machine gun too. oh I'm just my like, god oh no and you're like this is about to go bad and i would just love to jump into the frame right now and stop this but i can't but it's like the awkwardness to it which it happens where jeffrey Wright's like hey look out and, right. and it's like it's sort of like subtle and, and toned down and it's not it's not like look out or anything like that. right it's like, whoa, whoa, look out and right. then all of a sudden just chaos ensues exactly the shootout is incredible my God, this scene is fucked up. The, and the uh, weird thing is that it's all in broad daylight. Right. Right. <laughs> it's true. Ooh. It is stark. You got to look at all of it. It it It's a great use of space. This is one of the great things that a 
director can do is it can give you a sense of location. Just geography. Oh, yeah. it's great. The geography is incredible. You know exactly where these guys are trying to get to, where the shooter is in relation to the targets. And, and as we were talking about before, the consequences of him killing these people. Right. Just the way people get shot and fall down and hobble over. It's it's like it's meaningless. They just, they just boom, yeah, you're dead. Right. You know exactly the right decision, the wrong decision for each of these people to make, which makes it even more frustrating and it's, when the guy does something stupid. Yeah. You know? Which I don't mind. I'm okay with a character doing something stupid. Right. I, I buy that that might happen. And again, just the way he just gets shot, it's so like awkward and just goes limp and falls over. It's so real. Mm-hmm. And you feel so bad for him when he keeps getting shot. Right. <laughs> he doesn't stop. <laughs> Hence the, the ending of the scene, which was just like, my heart sank a little. I was just like, that's really oddly powerful when Jeffrey Wright yells stop. Right. Stop. I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> and I would have done the same thing. <laughs> right. That shit's fucking amazing. Oh my God. It's a wonderful character moment where he's just trying to help this guy. It's like, dude, fucking I, I, yeah, knock it off. Knock it off. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Like I get that you have an, yeah. no, it's a weird <laughs> moment of understanding. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what it is. Because it's, a, it's, a, it's almost as if the Indian character was waiting for him to do that too. Right. It's like, I didn't expect that to happen. Wow. It's just cool. like I want someone to acknowledge me. Yeah. And I want someone to acknowledge my issues and my trouble. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's and wonderful. That's, that's what Jeffrey Wright is essentially saying with that one word. Yep. He's like, dude, I get it. Yep. You're fucking pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> just a little. <laughs> but, but bro, like, I got business to take care of over here, and I'm going to try to save this dude's life. So how about you take your fucking gunfire and... And go somewhere else with it. Mm-hmm. That's what he's really saying. And and that's incredible. That's like an incredible movie moment I would have never thought of myself. Yes. that's the, It's like, oh, I, you, how do you write that? It's really smart. Right. The beautiful thing about it is that he doesn't kill a single person afterwards. Yeah. Yep. And Because he, he worked. Because as, you know what? He got what he wanted. Yep. He got his revenge. He killed enough people. <laughs> he didn't need any more blood in order to feel good about it. He, It's like, oh, yeah. And, and they then, acknowledge me now. And then he let his himself be killed. And that was it. And that was it. I said what I had to say. Yep. Uh, crazy scene. That Ugh. really has nothing to do with the rest of the movie, which again is what is so confusing about it. But I can't help but ignore that I am totally moved by this collection of scenes. Yeah, I just like, I don't really care. It's, <sighs> it's, maybe it's trying to talk. It, it, it just seems like kind of side commentary for these characters. Right. And maybe it's a deeper sense of understanding of what, what the people in this film are generally supposed to represent. Again, I'm still kind of toiling with it, but... Again, I even though, yeah, you could probably have cut it out. Well, I mean, I wouldn't have wanted to cut it out, but I guess you could have. But I was sort of like, eh, I don't know. Even though it's not necessarily the most significant thing to the plot, it feels like it kind of belongs. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. So. Um, and then the rest is, uh, you know, if I summarized it for you, you'd institutionalize me. Like, if I just went on the street and told this story. Do we want to? I'd be fucking nuts. <laughs> Do we want to so summarize the, So it turns out like the two of them are like the, the husband and wife are like members of some wolf cult or something. That's what it seems like. They like wolves at least. <laughs> they have they have a spiritual connection to the wolves. Right. Alexander Skarsgård puts on this uh, this wolf mask, this wooden wolf mask. It's creepy. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of the movie You're Next. Yeah. No, I've never seen You're Next. You would like You're Next. Yeah. Uh, it... it something about people in animal masks man yeah. it freaks me the fuck out it's funnier in your next though is okay the thing, so. there's an episode of fargo season three. Oh, i haven't seen it yet yeah where a bunch of hunters are 
looking for a main character in the middle of the woods and they they all have like animal masks and wolf masks on (laughs) jesus and that episode's incredible but something about it it's just yeah it's uh, it's unnatural (laughs) it is but in a in a weird way is though yeah like in a weird way in this one it makes it it feels natural at least for these characters so Uh, this dude just keeps looking for his wife kills a bunch of people on the way kills macon blair kills poor macon blair damn it who was just trying to get all those charges wiped out of his rap sheet. Oh, poor dude. Gets stabbed at the top of the head. Yeah, man. Oh, poor God. Guy. So, so weird. And uh, then the two of them end up in a cave together. They shoot Jeffrey Wright with a bow and arrow. <laughs> the dude is bleeding out. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. James Badgedale is dead by this point, too. Yeah. In another, like, oh, God. Yeah. When he holy gets shot, shit scene. When he just gets shot through, like, the, like this. Like, right. Almost right through, through like, the his larynx or something. Yeah. yeah. Right with a bow and arrow. And just like little blood spurting out every every other second. Just that tiny, just uh, yeah. Yeah, that tiny little whisper of a, of a bow and arrow. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, Jesus Christ. And right. it just goes straight through him, hits the snow in the back, which is another. Unfor- oh, that's the other thing I got to mention. So much unforgettable imagery in this movie. Yeah. Which is the quality of a really great film. When you watch that, it's like, yeah, I'm never going to forget this. Do you find that it's harder to do that in this sort of climate? Like sometimes frozen tundra movies have a sense of like staleness and plainness to them mm-hmm. just because like snow is covering everything. Yeah. So everything is white, mm-hmm. literally the most boring, lifeless color there is. <laughs> yeah. You know, I felt the same way about wind river last year. And this also, this, I didn't feel that I didn't see or didn't see when we were wind river. Okay. So this movie gave me wind river vibes, but mostly like showed me what wind river could have been. Yeah. If there was a more like accomplished visionary director behind it, mm-hmm. um, the the writer of the movie who I'm blanking on his name now Tyler Sheridan yeah Taylor Ta- Taylor, Taylor Sheridan yeah Taylor Sheridan. T- Taylor Sheridan uh, directed the movie along with with writing it and there's just a not only a slowness and a drabness to it but the cold is so restricting and it's it's just so stale it's just dull it's like it's like the Marvel movies similarly right. it's just they're they're they sh- they're shot with like a factory checklist you right. know what I mean right like you need this shot right here you need this shot right there there's nothing ambitious about how it should be presented for the audience or right. where, where you should place the audience right and it's tough when the environment and the setting and 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 the works are not helping you cheat like sometimes That's like you're true. in a if, if you're in the jungle like the jungle's gonna do half the work for you mm-hmm. the worst predator movie still has some pretty good jungle scenes right <laughs> and just just because it's an interesting exciting environment Hold the dark, man. It just feels like you're sitting in a freezer. But it's memorable to me. But it is memorable. Yeah. And and that's why I, again, was so impressed by it. Mm-hmm. And why I'm so impressed by this form of filmmaking. Yeah. It's one of the best Frozen Tundra movies I've ever seen. You want to know what's great about this movie? They're like no close-ups. <laughs> oh, you and your clo- I'm going yeah, there again. You hate your close-ups. But Sonia understands how to fill a frame, okay? Right. And he, under- he understands how to use- utilize a wide frame for full effect. He understands, like, okay, yeah, I could go tight with this story. I could very easily go very tight and restrictive with this story. But you're not going to get the same level of emotion as you need if you go, unless you go wide, rather. Right. And it pays off in full. It's unbelievable. I mean, like I was saying, the cinematography in this movie is phenomenal. Who did the My God. cinematography? I don't know. Because I know Sonia has often worked as his own... Yeah, he did for Blue Ruin. And I, uh, he also did for Murder Party. Mangus Nordinov Jankic. Cool. What did he do? Hmm. 
Anything that we know? A movie called Lean on Pete. Okay, I heard of that. A Netflix show by the name of the OA. A war. Hmm. It's literally called A War. Okay. It's not the war, it's A War. It's a foreign guy. Okay. Maybe Norwegian or something. I feel like he and Sonia kind of <laughs> did it themselves. Yes. It can't just be right. this one dude. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, because yeah. these movies, they, they do have a look about them oh, where yeah. it's like, yeah, this is this is a Jeremy Sonia film. Oh, my God, yeah. You know? I didn't see his uh, 360 spin, though. That was un- that was unfortunate. I was I was looking for that. Oh, really? Yeah, he's got like this like this uh, motif that I've seen, in, so especially in Murder Party. It happens a lot in Murder Party, but um, where he, there's like a tense moment going, and he's just kind of spinning around following the characters in like this sort of circular motion as they try to figure out what they're doing. And it's it's always, oh my God, it's so effective. And they do it a lot in the green room as well. Right. But yeah, I didn't see it here. I was like, oh, I would like to have seen that. That's just my film nerdism showing yeah. itself. But there you go. So yeah, by the end of the movie, husband, wife, reunited, both of them at this point with wolf masks on, mm-hmm. they help Jeffrey Wright get healed up, kind of. They take the arrow out of his body at least yeah so that's helpful mm-hmm. he crawls back to safety and tries to anyway yeah and uh these two continue on these star-crossed lovers i guess murdering more children across the country they're just being a part of the wilderness i suppose yeah yeah it's a weird one man <laughs> what was she because there's that line is like now you understand why the sky looks different and oh I, right i was like this whole point where you i was wondering like were you just trying to show him you know what what real what real nature looks like is that like because i it was almost as if she didn't i don't know totally appreciate his original story of encountering the wolf so he wanted she wanted to show him you know what he could really become or what they could really become i'm not totally sure though yeah, what the hell does the sky looking different? That's, that, a, that, that was the line, right? I mean... It, the yeah. sky has changed, the sky looks strange, something like that? I mean, that's something that animals do pay attention to. and It's a very natural thing, clearly. It's something that I think about a lot when I, when I think of like anything in a wilderness movie, generally, but... I have no theory for you. Yeah. I mean, that just sounded like film bullshit to me again. <laughs> it did. That that it, She was the one character, and... I, I guess it was intentional, but that dialogue just Her, seemed like Riley Keough. Oh, we're so mysterious. Yeah. Look at us making our art. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I feel like these guys are above that. Yeah. You know? And that was that was the, the well, they, thing about it that was so frustrating. Sure. But they they were in touch with it in the right ways throughout most of the film. Because I it, hers it was the only part where I'm just like mm. I, I'm I'm struggling here. Like, what what are you getting at? But right, not nece- But again, not necessarily in a way that was detrimental to the film, in my opinion. It never felt like it was it was really taking me out of it. Again, I, I sort of believed that the filmmakers understood what was going on with her. Yeah, even though I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is a well made movie, man. There's mm. no question about it. It oh, is a well made movie. The music, good music too. Fuck the music yeah. works. God damn. Oh, I I want to. Who who did the soundtrack for this movie? It's or the score, it's just fantastic. Mm. It's so like weird and naturalistic and just harsh. Brooke Blair and Will Blair. Oh, I, oh, these yes, these, they did. They they're, they're part of the crew. Yeah. I mean, they know how to make a a strange and unsettling score. My God. Oh yeah, these guys. Yeah, they must be brothers. It's Let's, oh the they the, must be making Blair's. Brothers. Yes, they're they're all brothers. Okay. Yeah, because they all look exactly alike. Yeah, they're all brothers, so they've all they're all part of this posse. The Blair brothers. 
Yeah, they're, yeah, they're three of them. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and really? by the way, Macon Blair wrote the script to this as well. Yeah, I know. Yeah, which is, it, it's funny when I when we watched uh, uh, what's the movie called? I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Right. Yeah. Forgive me if I didn't get every word of that correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, funny movie. Yeah, uh, yeah, very funny movie. It just feels like another Jeremy Sonia movie. Yeah, no, it I was just, gonna it, say it. It's got it's the exact same thumbprint, and and to me that that kind of means it's. This is less about Jeremy Sonier and more about the sum of their collective parts. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I hope they don't stop working together. They, I, I'm I'm down for whatever else they have for me. And if they have an overall deal with Netflix and there's like five more of these things down the pipe, like I'm fine with that. I'm fine with it too. Like keep making weird shit. So because people like because the whole the dark has very been very very mixed. But, oh yeah. I mean I mean I get well, it. I understand why when, when I saw the movie I was like okay yeah I get it but. Like I think it's an incredibly impressive, incredibly. I'm being redundant here, but it's a very, 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 very uh, impressive film. It's right. one that I didn't expect to be as impressive as it actually was. Right, it, impressive, maybe not so fulfilling. I think that's that's the that's okay. Um, Fulfill, but it's weird. I don't know. I was kind of satisfied. <laughs> like like the unfulfillment was sort of satisfying for the story. I don't right. know. It's um, it's a nice uh, uh, progression for Jeremy Sonier and Macon Blair. That's what I'll say. That's my final. Thought. I'm glad they're doing this. Yes. yes. And I'm glad that Jeremy Sonier has not been swallowed up by the system in the way that seems like some of these other guys have. I think he's wisely doing films that aren't going to get him picked up and doing Black Panther 5, you know? Right. And which he obviously could do if he wanted to. I mean, he did the first oh, yeah. two episodes of The New True Detective. Did he? Yes. Oh. Well, he was going to do all eight of them. Oh. He was going to do like a Kerry Fukunaga thing. That would have been good, right? Uh... So, uh, I think <laughs> I, I I don't know. Did you like, see Kerry Fukunaga when he did all of season one? That fucking worked. So he was going to do all eight of these, and then there, there were the my favorite Hollywood line: creative differences <laughs> that got in the way. So why can't they just accept the fact that maybe this this filmmaker actually knows what he's doing, and maybe we're a little out of touch? Right. The writer Nick Pizzolatto, who created the show, has sort of a reputation of being a difficult. Yeah, writer with a big ego and is very set in his ways about things. Okay, so um, yes, that I I am. Although a True Detective fan, I'm kind of happy that he's still doing his weird movies with his friends. Me too. You know, me too. So thank you, Jeremy Sonia. You made a good movie, despite of what some people are going to say. Yeah. Uh, what else you got for me? Uh, check it out, people. Give it a look if you're daring enough. Yeah. I think not for everyone though no 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 <laughs> i didn't say that be very careful in your recommendation put it this way if um you could see yourself hanging out with adam for a couple hours try out this movie because uh, this is an adam movie through and through and it's not yes an movie. And, and you said that to me <laughs> it is not an eco movie by any stretch of the imagination but i was still impressed by well it. i who Abby's never gonna see this. Okay, perhaps <laughs> she's not never gonna see this. Movie. Yeah, I think the audience understands by now what an Adam movie is and what a Nico movie is. I know, but hey, an Adam movie can can you know there are exceptions. There are you know there are plenty of things that can be an Adam movie, except when it's obvious. It's it's freaking obvious. Yes, it's fucking obvious here. Yeah, no. it's so <laughs> obvious. <laughs> um, that's a podcast. Yes, it is. Right? Yeah, I think so. Maybe. Um, too many thoughts media.com mm-hmm. or tmt.media. Mm-hmm. I hope you enjoyed 
your bonus episode. You ain't getting any more of these anytime soon. Only one a week from here on out. Sorry, guys. But we gave you a nice little double dip this week. So, <laughs> uh, what? Go see a Star Is Born. Listen to that podcast if you have yet to see that movie. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week talking about Damien Chazelle. We're gonna do that landing on the moon. Sweet, right? Damien Chazelle. Yeah, it's a movie about Damien Chazelle landing on the moon. They didn't wait a minute. They didn't shoot that thing on the actual moon. <laughs> No, if it was if it was a Tom Cruise production, they would though. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what are you on Twitter, buddy? What am I on Twitter? Yeah, what's your what handle? It's S. yeah. What what are you on Twitter? Are you more of a Virgo? Or are you a Leo? <laughs> do you, do you tweet like a Capricorn and make love like an Aries? Like what's your deal? Jupiter. <laughs> what's your handle? At some Adam Hall. Okay. I uh, just put out a good tweet, though. I think it was a good tweet. My ranking of a, of a film series, two film series that I love. You oh, know, I've been working on a new tweet this week. And, uh, <laughs> I really think it's going to blow people away. Go check out my Twitter. You can see my good tweet. This is the way to Do act. you understand how fucking old you sound right now? No, I don't. And pretentious? I put out a good tweet. I put out a good tweet. Well, good. You put out one good tweet in a year. Congrats, man. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not much of a of a of a Twitter fiend. No, but big... when you put out a tweet, man, it's really good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, Re- alert the media. You're gonna do a press tour about That's your right. tweet. No, yeah. I you're, think the you're la- crowdfunding your next tweet. I don't remember. I think the last thing I said was that essentially the Giants suck. That's about it. <laughs> okay, That's all I put out. <laughs> yeah. The Giants don't suck. The Giants got screwed. They kind of. Let me ask, too. what other team would that happen to? Uh, well, it happened to the Giants last year. No, I swear to fucking God. I think th- they broke the record longest game winning field goal in the history of the NFL <laughs> last, uh, last Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I think against the Eagles, mm-hmm. the 64 winning uh, or 64 yard game winning field goal was also against the Giants. Mm-hmm. So I think that was the previous record. It's weird, man. Yeah, the Gi- I'm sorry. They're the- just really bad at like uh, luck at defending against <laughs> Hail Mary field goals. It's very strange. I don't know. It would only happen to the Giants. I have an odd like re- like respect for the Giants. Like I want them to do good so bad. We I all just, do. I feel so bad for them cuz you know why Eli Manning just looks so dorky. <laughs> In a football helmet. True. I mean, I, I shouldn't gloat too much because I'm a Steelers fan. In my, oh, yeah, you have nothing to write yeah, home about and, these and, days. And my coach is, is a gambling fool who makes the... <laughs> I mean, God damn it, that idiot. Mike Tomlin. Like, I don't... <laughs> He's I, the only guy, though, never even close to on the chopping block. I get like you, you like to make... You like to take chances. That's nice. Thank you. But fucking hell, man. Play smart. <laughs> At a certain point, there, there's a time for that stuff, and then there's a time to just play like a... Like a fucking. Uh. He must love playing blackjack. Yeah, he's he, the oh type of God. blackjack players that's like splitting tens. I just kicked the mic stand. Yeah, he's he's hitting on sixteen. Like oh that's the type God. of blackjack player Mike Tomlin is. You and the s- table gets pissed off at him. <laughs> no, he's the guy who will do this. It's like seventeen. I'll or no, it's no. <laughs> I try to quote a movie. He'll have a five, right? right. He'll only have five, and then it'll be just be like, "I'll stay." I suggest you hit, sir. I like to live late. <laughs> I like to live dangerously. So <laughs> <laughs> like you realize there's no possible way that you'll exactly. go over, right? That's, like, that's Mike Tomlin. Yes, exactly right. 
Uh, that's it, man. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Talk to you guys soon. Until next time. Thank you. Happy movie hopping. And your shit. <laughs>